So we're going to be talking about Christmas around the manger. So let me ask you a question. What's the Christmas story really about? You know, Christmas is a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I don't know if you know that. Some people, it's about tinsel. It's about trees. Decorations. Some people, it's about Santa Claus and reindeers. It happens to be the highest commercial holiday of the year. But for some, it's a way to produce income. Do you know, I have talked to three different people this month that don't even know the storyline of Christ in Christmas. Three people. So Christmas is a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So what I thought I would do is why don't I make sure if I can't be responsible for everybody else, but I can certainly be responsible for you that you know what Christmas around the manger is all about. So what I'm going to do is I'm, to understand this story, I'm going to take you all the way back to the book of beginnings. And we're going to go to the book of Genesis. And I'm going to start with some very familiar topics that you know, and I'm going to progress you forward so you can see God's strategic thinking and God's strategic planning, that God has a plan and a purpose for everything and for everyone. If everyone will do the thing that God's telling them to do, that the plan will be fulfilled. And watch this, even if you don't want to do your part, God will find somebody else to do it for you. But God will fulfill his plan. He will be faithful to watch over his word to perform it. And so we're going to look in here and we're going to go back to Genesis 3, 6 because you'll recognize this scripture because we're living in a, we, God created a perfect world and he created perfect people to put in this perfect world. And as they were living together, they were tempted by a fallen angel at that time. We like to refer to him as Lucifer or Satan. And he tempted mankind. And at that moment of temptation, the Bible records, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. How many people are very familiar with this passage of Scripture? We call it the fall of man, the fall of mankind, the first sin where sin, death, hell, and the grave came in and became looming over mankind. So then it gave a grasp so there was no more eternal life. It was certain eternal death. So what I want to show you is based on our own mankind, including you, based on our own nature, we don't deserve anything. So at the beginning of the day, our nature is critical. Our nature is to fall. Our nature is to fail. And we see that failure come forth even in perfect people. I hope somebody's listening today. Romans 6 and 23 Makes it very clear. I'll read it from the NIV. For the wages of sin is death. So at best, we deserve death based on the law of the Word. So where sin was, understand, there had to be a judgment. 
where there was a judgment, understand there had to be a sentence. So we see in Genesis 3.18, mankind was sentenced this way. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be your husband, and he will rule over you. Now to the man, Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree, which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you watch this return to the ground. There was no returning to the ground because there was no death, but now death was the wage of sin. So now he would return back to the dust he was created from, which shows that it was certain death. Since from it you were taken, from the dust you are, from the dust you will return. That's what we deserve. That's what we should have gotten. That's what we should have received. Somebody say, but God. <laughs> See, the more you read about God, starting from the very beginning and follow Him through the Scriptures, the more you will understand why He loves you so much now. He loves you so much now because He loved you even more then. He made provision then when there was no way for provision. There was a crime. There was a judgment. There was a sentencing. The sentencing was certain. Say, but God. But God also had a provision. Three scriptures before, in 315, he was speaking to the serpent, the tempter, the accuser of the brethren. And that also had to be dealt with, with a judgment and a sentence. So in, I'll read from the NIV, 315, Genesis, but God, through His grace and mercy, made us a provision, and here's what He said. He said, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. Listen to the provision. He will crush your head, and you will strike His heel. He will crush your head. And it speaks of the seed of a woman. The seed of a woman. Everywhere else in Scripture, we see that men and children were born of seed of a man in Hebrew. But this one place, it notes that it was made seed from a woman, which means it was no man, which he's speaking of a virgin birth. So there will be provision that was made before the sentencing of man. Are you listening? Before man's sentence was passed, this provisional scripture was already put in place so God could put his judgment knowing that he already had a contingency in place for you. 
See, you don't understand because so many times during your life you're in trials and troubles and you think you're done. You think it's over. The enemy has you pinned. You think you're trapped. And if you looked at all the letters of the law, you are. If you look at all the facts, you're finished. The problem is, somewhere before that event, God already put in a contingency plan for you, and He's already got a way for you out. Somebody say, but God. So, the wages of sin is death, Romans 6 said, but you've got to read the rest of the verse. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the Christmas gift was given back in Genesis 3.15. It was prophesied. It was spoken. And when God speaks a word, it's not an if, it's a when. It's not if it's going to come to pass. It's when it's going to pass. Then he will give signs. He will give a timeline called prophecy. And through these signs, we'll know when we're nearing the time of the thing that he said would happen where it will come to completion and we will see it in fruition. Is everyone listening? So now the only thing missing from a seed of a woman is the law of seed time and harvest. There is seed, there is time, and there is harvest. So the seed was sown clear back at the beginning. Now it's just timing. And then the harvesting of that seed. Till we see man's provision. Are you tracking me? So this whole Christmas story is a story of God's love, a demonstration of his grace and mercy, giving the best gift sown before we were even sentenced. Before we were even called guilty of our crime. The Christmas provision was made. Talk about a gift. It's a love story about God who loved his children so much that he would lay his own life down for them. That when there was no way to escape death, God made a way. God made a provision. And the Christmas story starts with the prophecy given, in the books, uh, given at the books of beginning, Genesis 3.15. No prophecy is revealed until first a sign or the signs of the time are revealed. And so, what are the major signs of the Christmas story when we look in the Christmas story? Let's start in the book of Daniel. Daniel 2.48 says, the king of Daniel, everybody knows the story of Daniel. Daniel had so many miracles in his life. So many concessions were made for Daniel. So much favor on an individual. Why does God put so much favor on an individual? Look at Abraham, just whisper and say, because he has a plan. And he needs people to complete his plan. If you see favor on your life or the people around you, it's because you're part of the plan. He's trying to get something fulfilled, and it's probably not for you. Daniel not to, never got to see Jesus. 
but he was important and instrumental in the part of the plan for generations to come. What he's doing for you, you may not see it in this lifetime. It may be for your generations to come. We can't always make it about us. We need to understand there's a plan and a purpose that's above us, and God's already made a way. We're just part of the provision. Daniel was part of the provision. It says so much favor, so much so, that the king, I'm reading from the Bible, 248, then the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished many gifts on him. So he got gifts, he got reward, he got favor, so much so that he made him a ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. Take your Bible, highlight, underline, wise men, wise men. What's the significance of this event? Why was this favor extended? What's the purpose and the plan of all this supposed to point to? Let's pull it through the cross. Let's go to Matthew, uh, let's go to 2, Matthew 2. Let's go through verses 1 through 12. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men. Wise men from the east of Jerusalem saying, where is he is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem was with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he demanded of them Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea. He wanted to know where they were born, where this, this child was going to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, speaking of the prophet Micah. Verse 6 says, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor and shall reign and rule my people, Israel. He's quoting the prophecy of Micah 5, chapter 5, verse 2. It says, Then Herod, when he privily called the white men, uh, wise men, the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you find him, bring me word again and I may come to worship him also. Was he going to worship him? He didn't want a replacement. So even when there's a plan in place to disrupt the plan God has in place, God already has a contingency plan for that plan as well. Even when someone's trying to come against the plan that's working for you, God has a plan against that plan. When they heard the king and departed, and lo, the star which they saw from the east went before them till it came and stood over where the child was. Listen to this. When they saw the star... They rejoiced with exceeding joy. Why were they rejoicing? Who told them about the star? Daniel was in charge of the wise men. And he taught them that there would be a sign of the time. That when you saw the star, 
that this would come. The prophet Micah prophesied it would come the location, Bethlehem. When you see the star, go to Bethlehem. <laughs> Everything's in God's timing. And when all these events started to line up, these wise men who were passed down from generation to generation, if Daniel had not been faithful to the calling of God to do what he did, the teachings never would have passed down. The wise men there never would have known to have shown up at the manger at the time. You have to do your part in God's timing or it can't work down the line. You don't even have to understand the plan. But you do have to understand the purpose. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold, frankincense. They were stacking him up, loading him up. You hear what I'm saying? Setting him up. They presented him gifts. And being warned... Listen to this. And being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed to their own country another way. Again, God thwarted the plan against him. The next prophecy we see of Genesis a virgin birth, seat of a woman. Isaiah 7.14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God with us. Hang on, we're going to go on a little trip here in just a minute. I'm going to take you on a little journey. God with us. Pull it through the cross, Matthew 1, 18, NIV. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That's called a virgin birth. This was prophesied in the time of Isaiah. It was fulfilled and explained in Matthew and then presented because angels begin to appear to men. See, what you don't understand is when God sends his word, heaven can only do one thing, respond. That's all heaven can do is respond. So when the timing gets close, heaven will have the right people in the right places doing the right things. Angels will be where they're supposed to when they need to. Whether you see the angels, whether you know about the angels or not, they will be there doing their duty, what they're supposed to be doing. They will be there to tell Joseph, Joseph, listen, she's not cheating on you. This is from God. Don't you tell me if your girl showed up and said it was the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. There better be an angel from heaven show up. If you start talking about being pregnant and I don't know nothing about it, I don't think it would take anything less than an angel. Come on, somebody. Because you ain't buying it. But when an angel shows up, okay, you just one up me. That's pretty convincing. <laughs> 
What am I saying? I'm saying when you can't sell your message, God will sell it for you. When what you're saying is not believable, God will put things in place that will make people believe. What am I saying? Do your part, God will do His. Still tracking. We're looking at the signs of the time of the things that are happening. We're tracking it all the way down, all the way down. We see then the Bible also prophesied the lineage and the birthplace for the Messiah. I love this part because we see in Matthew 1 in NIV, it's the genealogy of Jesus. It says the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, and the son of Abraham. And it starts with Abraham was the father of Isaac. Now we're at Abraham. Why is Abraham important? Isn't he the father of faith? Isn't he the one who was blessed to be the father of many nations, numbered of the stars in the sky, the grains of sand on the beach? Wasn't he blessed to be a blessing? Who would like to have the blessing of Abraham on their life? Can I ask you a question? Does one person here deserve that blessing? How about not only before you didn't deserve it, but you had already committed the crime. God prophesied in that state of you being wrong, of you disrespecting him, going against him, his whole, changing his whole perfect world. He would now have to clean up the mess. While you were still in that crazy state, he put the blessing of Abraham upon you. He spoke provision in 315, the genealogy of Jesus, and if you track it all the way down, it's a long track if you want to track it. Takes two pages to get there. It finally says, down to Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was called Messiah. Track the blessing down to Jesus, the tribe of Judah. And you wonder, the word Judah means praise. And I guess sometimes I have a hard time on a Sunday morning. When I see us in Genesis 3.15, and that's what we deserve, and yet I see here in the genealogy of Jesus where he put provision that we can be there. And it's from that tribe I want to be a part of. So it makes me want to praise. It's hard for me to stay in my seat. It's hard for me just to sit there and be mediocre like everybody else when I got something to praise about. I didn't deserve it, but I get it. Christmas doesn't look the same. It doesn't feel the same. It's about a gift, not gifts. A gift, a gift of eternal life that was made when I did not deserve it. In a fallen state. Micah 5, 2. Even says where? Oh, Bethlehem. Only a small village among the people of Italy. Yet you are a ruler of Israel. 
whose origins are in the distant past, he will come on my behalf. You have to understand what happened in the virgin birth. See, you have to see who God is here. If you don't see this, you're never going to understand this manger behind me. You're never going to understand this story. Can you understand when you say lay down your life? What is a virgin birth? If there's a seed of a woman, something has to fertilize the seed. Through the Holy Spirit, how? Because in John 1, it says, He was the Word, and the Word was made flesh. So when He speaks His Word, whatever He sends it to will perform according to what it was sent to do. So, watch this. God spoke a word in Genesis 3.15. He spoke himself, the word, into the seed. He put himself into the seed of a woman to produce a man called a son. You didn't deserve it. You just disrespected him. You went against everything in his plan. You wrecked his world. He climbs in his seed and says, I'm going after you. I can't leave you in the place where you are. I'm coming after you. So I'm going to climb in and get where you are. And I'll come down. Since you can't be with me, and we are separated, I will come be with you. God with us. And he climbed into the seed, and he was given a virgin birth so he could be with us. Feel our pain. Understand why we did what we did. Be willing to walk it out with us. How many times they say, how long must I suffer you? He was willing to suffer himself because he could not leave us separated from him. He spoke himself into himself. In Luke 2, 7, the Bible says, And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. The angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds abiding in the fields, proclaimed, Fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you born this day in the city of David is a Savior, Christ the Lord. And it said, the Bible records, they came in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. What did they see when they came up and saw Mary and Joseph in the manger? Do we see a light kingdom 
Do we see millions of angels blowing trumpets? Or do we just see a manger with some hay? Now, I don't want to disappoint anybody because I know this was graphically made, but it was probably a cave, according to Scripture. And it was probably very similar, and, and, and maybe the manger itself, but as far as the, the presentation, but it doesn't matter what it looks like because no one's paying attention to the stuff. Who cares about the stuff at Christmas? It's not about what it looks like. It's about what happened. It's about what it is. We're too focused on the stuff. What is in the manger? Christmas is around the manger. What happened in the baby in the swaddling clothes? They saw for the first time since Genesis 3.15, God was with us. Not in a box. We had to go through three levels. 634 plus commandments. Rituals and routines. God with us. That's what the manger is. It's to remind you, no matter how dark your life is, no matter how bad you think it is in your life, no matter how horrible you think what you've done is, what's been done to you, you feel like you don't have a past, you don't have a future, you've got too much going on, you're, you're never going to be able to get out. You can't get through. It's to remind you, you can do anything when God's with you. God didn't forget you in Genesis 3.15, he won't forget you now. Christmas around the manger. It's around knowing that when you have Jesus Christ with you, and he becomes Lord of your life, that you will never spend a single day alone. Let me tell you this. You've never spent a single day alone. You may have thought you were alone. You may have thought he forgot about you. you the reason why you're here today. Because he's still not giving up on you. You don't deserve to be here. But you're still here. You don't deserve this blessing. But he's given you the opportunity to have it. You don't deserve this gift. But he says, here, unwrap it. It's yours. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything except everything. The manger is assigned to us that God made a provision by sending us the gift that keeps on giving. Understand, people, there will be a day and a time. Like the signs pointed to this day that was fulfilled that we call Christmas, He will come 
like a thief in the night. He will come in the twinkling of an eye. So the most important question you can ask yourself this season is, am I ready to go with Jesus when he returns? The manger, it's a scene of hope. It's resolution. It's a solution to all your problems. All of this, this, this stuff, all these things, all these things that we think are so important, we're so worried about. It's, oh, it's so important. Bible calls it wood, hay, and stubble. Wood, hay, and stubble. It's not about the stuff. Wood, hay, stubble. Wood, hay, stubble. You want to know what it looks like? All your stuff looks like that. Stop looking at the manger and look inside. Your answer is what's laying on the inside of the manger. Inside. Because heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word... God with us... It'll never pass away. The manger is a sign of a new birth for you celebrating a new life in Christ. Can you stand to your feet, please? You can see I'm very passionate about what I just preached. Because if you don't get this, you don't get it. If you don't understand this, you don't understand. If you can't come to this comprehension, this level of comprehension in your life, then I'm concerned for your future. But if you can grasp from all this, Christmas is a story of hope. It's a story of refreshing, resolution. Oh my God. It's about reconnection. It's about rebuilding. It's about renewing. You know, after hearing this story, I'm hoping you're looking into your heart right now and you're checking yourself. You're saying, man, am I really where I need to be with Christ right now? That's a lot of stuff to take place. Can't make this stuff up. That's a lot of trouble. God with it. Listen, I could have detailed that out and I could have been here for four hours. I just skimmed it. If you want some time, I'll detail it all. I could go into every prophet. I'll show you every prophet. I'll show you every line where it points to this. This is skimming the top. So you can get an understanding, a synopsis of all of the trouble God went through to get you here today to understand this. So he could give you hope for an eternal future. You will spend the rest of your life in one of two places. Hell or heaven, that's up to you. 
I like to say it this way, you will spend your eternity in hell if you don't choose heaven. Well, Bishop, that's awful harsh. No, that's the truth. I love you too much to water it down. This season of all seasons, understand the gift that's been given. And accept the gift. If that's you today, and you're saying, wow, maybe I didn't know that. Maybe I didn't fully understand that. I didn't comprehend. Today you can fix it. You can receive Jesus today. Bite him into your heart. Romans 10 and 9 says all you got to do is just believe what I just told you. Ask him to come into your heart. Ask for forgiveness of your sins. And if you'll do that, <laughs> he'll heal and restore every part of your life. It's that simple. So what I'd like you to do is everyone bow your head right now. Please everyone close your eyes. Saints in an attitude of prayer. If you're here today, no one looking around, and you say, wow, pastor, that's me. I just, man, I need to get my life fixed here. I just need Jesus in my heart. Wow. I don't want to spend my life in hell. I want, to, I, want, I want to live eternally in heaven. I want to live with the goodness of God. I want to have that protection. I want to know that provision's there for me. No one looking around, and I'm not going to embarrass you. This is just for me. I'm going to pray in a minute. I just, I just like to know who I'm praying for. That's all. Just no one looking around. Just lift your hand real quick so I know who I'm praying for. Yeah, thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Just, just by lifting your hand, you're not saying I want to join the church. You're just saying I want to get my heart right. I want to give it to Jesus. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? Thank you for that hand. 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 Anyone else? Thank you for that hand. Just, you're, again, you're, nothing weird here. I thank you for that hand. Anyone else? Just, I'm going to pray here in a minute. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? One last time, I'm going to look around. Is there anyone else that wants to just be included in that prayer when I pray? Anyone else? Look one more time. One more time from the balcony. I'm looking. Anyone else? Okay. You can put those hands down. Now, if you're here today, you say, well, I've already asked Jesus into my life, but somehow I just slipped back a little bit. You know, there's times we've all backslidden in the past, and you just, you think, man, i got to get my life straightened out, and you want to get back on track again. No one looking around. Please keep your eyes closed, head down. And, and you want to be included on that prayer. Just, just lift your hand so I can see who you are. All you're doing is confessing to God, saying, God, I want to get it right. There you go. There we go. There's the hands. There's the hands. There's the hands. There we go. There we go. You're just admitting to God, saying, God, that's me. Include me in on that prayer. Thank you for this. Thank you for the honesty here today. You can open up your eyes here and just look at me. Uh, you, I, I want to appreciate the honesty that's here. One thing you're going to realize about your life, you can fool me, you can fool the people around you, but you can't con God, you know? So you might as well just go ahead and be honest and get it fixed, man. Just, you know, we're just real here. Nobody's judging. We're, we're all in the same shape. We're just trying to get it right, man. We're trying to make it. Nobody here is perfect, man. I mess up every day. I got to give my life to Christ again every day. I, I screw up all the time. It's okay, all right? You just got to get it fixed. You got to have your heart right. Keep your heart right. If you miss it, just get it fixed, okay? So what I want to do is I want to do exactly what I said. I'm just going to say a prayer. And we're all going to pray, but it's not important that you hear me pray or the person beside you, that you hear yourself pray in that prayer of faith. And when you say amen, just know that that's done and that's settled, okay? And for those of you who are being saved for the first time, it's the coolest thing because it says all of heaven stops. Because Christ gets up and goes over and writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. And all of heaven is rejoicing. So if you don't mind, after we say amen, I'd like us to rejoice with heaven. Because we got souls coming to heaven today. Okay? Would that be okay? So everyone bow your head and let's just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. 
And I ask you to come into my heart. Fill me. Cleanse me. Make me everywhere whole. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. And I believe God raised you from the dead. Therefore, I'm a new creation. My sins are passed away. Heaven is my home. You are my Lord. And I will serve you for the rest of my life. I believe it. I confess it. And that settles it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's rejoice with heaven right now. All the angels in heaven are standing and rejoicing right now. <laughs> Guys, we've got all month of this. We're going to walk through. We're going to make sure if you know, understand nothing else, you're going to understand the story of the manger. You're going to understand Christmas around the manger. I hope you guys can be here at every service. Please make sure before you leave, you grab one of those cards. Give it to some of the people because you're going to learn some things that I believe you probably haven't heard before. So I want to thank you for your time today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. Mm -hmm.